and welcome to Tales from the East End, episode number 34, sponsored by the ever-so-lovely Peach Tree East. And uh, it's a content orgy this week, Carl. We're doing our best to bring you relevant and interesting interviews. Also, keep an eye on our Facebook and Twitter, as we will soon announce our end-of-season bonanza extravaganza super-duper live studio audience session live in Johnny Blue's bar. <laughs> And that session is sponsored by the excellent Cario Off license at the Penny Hill Lucan. Their selection of craft beers will knock off your hipster ankle socks. So, uh, will you be one of the few hoops invited? Now we're going to talk about the Sligo game, the trip to North Korea tomorrow. There's interviews with Fikra O'Brolacon and Bill Gleeson uh, for some insight into the ultras and the junior hoops. And we have TRX master Darren Dillon, who uh, scared the shite out of us in kickstart. <laughs> and uh, we have the final questions from the east end with james doing it the quiz master himself trust me you're gonna want to hear this yeah it's a cracker isn't it it's a good one um so as usual i'm gary parsons and i'm with the prof carl Riley. so we thought we'd uh, better provide a damage report in johnny blue's bar after the hur- hurricane we have an end of season special taking place in here on the sunday week after all there's empty cans there's bottles everywhere destruction and chaos and that was just johnny blue on a sunday <laughs> Well, the roof was intact, unlike Turner's Cross. Yeah, it went crumbling down, didn't it? It was insane. Yeah, I lost a gazebo in the in the chaos. It it literally just went flying out the garden. Nearly hit some woman walking her dog. Had it's completely mangled as well. So that's gone. That's gone. Uh, other than that, I think um, pretty much it. The destruction was down to a uh, minimum. Did you see the picture of Grafton Street? half two in the afternoon and someone said it was like a zombie apocalypse yeah it was a ghost town wasn't it and even the night before I was working the night before and it was eerie there was no wind no rain no boards nothing like that it, from like two o'clock at night till six in the morning it was strange it was like something of a horror film fair play to the Penny Hill carry out for staying open they certainly did yeah like I said plenty of crafty beers to knock off your hipster socks and uh, yeah they, it, it was actually quite bad up where I was wind boys anyway but uh, yeah, we'll move on to the games. We mo- we drew one all at home to Sligo last week. Very wet conditions in Tala and a poor crowd. That misty, hazy rain, Carl, soaked instantly if you were out in it. If you're looking for reason to blame, you could say the conditions or maybe Friday the 13th. Yeah, oh yeah, I didn't even yeah. notice that until super, after. Super spooky wookie. Super spooky wookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have some news going into this one. Brando in an interview said, I remember their manager going into our manager's face and their players going into our players' faces like they won the league. Hopefully we beat them and send them back to Sligo and that will be the three points on the board for us and they'll still be fighting relegation. So Brando with some war of words. Fighting words. Yeah, fighting words. So uh, so there's some hatred towards Sligo amongst the hoops. Dan Fulham won them. I, uh, he's, a, he's a big hatred towards Sligo. But, see, I hated them when they were good, Carl. Not so much now. I mean, the mini rivalry has died down. Uh, what I saw a lot of people saying was the sort of false rivalry, invented rivalry back in 2010, 11, 12. That's what a lot of Hoops fans were sort of talking about. Anybody successful just seems to invent a rivalry with Rovers though, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, fair play to them. They brought down a big crowd, three or 400, I reckon. So they were, they are supporting their team in this time of relegation. Yeah, that was a very good crowd. Yeah, actually. it was. And uh, I mean, one thing I will say, when we do travel down there, they seem to always fill that main stand. And I mean, let's be honest, Slogan's still a shithole, but um, I've always stayed there the night they won the league, do you remember? Ended up in a nightclub and Crotaro walked in with a medal hanging around his neck. 
followed by the rest of the team. That was me done. I was <laughs> straight out the door. No way was I sticking around for a Sligo League party. Which we spoiled. Yes. <laughs> uh, Dave Webster broke his foot in the first 10 minutes against Dundalk. So his season is over. Pico Lopez broke his nose and he'll have an operation at the end of the season. Graham Burke is back running and he might make the last game against Limerick. That's remarkable if he does. Yeah, fast recovery. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take the risk though. I'd, I'd hopefully get him fully fit and then let him tip around the uh, roadstone and get get himself nice and strong. We had two Hoopers walking around in a protective boot at this game. We had Webby and Mark Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Lynch. You had a. I don't think he injured it on the training ground, but I think it was more. It was a scooter accident, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah, flying around in a scooter, uh, reliving the mod days. So, uh, yeah, we've a lot of impact injuries, if you've noticed. We know muscles are strains, which Darren Dillon uh, pointed out to us, or hamstrings. So, yeah. it says a lot about the lads involved in the background, doing great work, keeping fit, keeping recovering from games. If you go, yeah, very few injuries since maybe May, aside from, like, cork elbows and stuff. Yeah, impact injuries, yeah. Gone, when you think yeah. about it, we've no strains, no, no like, groin injuries, anything like that. So, it's, it's all credit goes to the backroom staff for keeping the lads nice and fit. And we had uh, we have Aaron Bulger, Dave McAllister, and Cameron King all started against Sligo. Pico moved back to centre half, and Trevor Clark to left full. Yeah, Cameron King, our Andy Murray lookalike. <laughs> yeah, he actually is. He's the image of him when you yeah. say it now. A lot of people didn't think he'd play again actually after Dundalk. But did he redeem himself a little bit in this game? Um, I think he kind of huffed and puffed. Really, what did you think? Thought he had a decent first half actually. You can see that he has got the mind to play like he does have the football and brain to succeed at Rovers he does want to do the right thing sometimes it just doesn't work out mm-hmm. I don't think his brain is telling his legs at the right time but he, he is he seems like he has a bit of potential about him I'm not sure if there's enough time left in the season to kind of prove it I think he's definitely going he's definitely on trial at the moment I mm-hmm. think he played the last couple of games but it remains to be seen if we'll keep him I remember we had Mohammed last week saying Sam Bone has to be in the starting eleven on Facebook. Well, this week it was Billy Bone. Ah, Billy Bone. Into the team news. Maybe that's a relative. Uh, he says, "What about Sam Bone?" Yeah, it has to be a relative, doesn't it? Yeah. Good old Billy Bone. Unless Sam Bone has all these bots trying to build a pipe about him online, like Carl uh, Shepard buying his his Facebook followers. That's it. Yeah. So we had Kevin Horgan making only his second league starting goal, and Tomer was dropped to the bench. Mm-hmm. Controversially, some might say. Yeah, neither of us wanted Tomer Yeah, to no, we didn't think, week, we didn't we think it would have been the case. Some people did want Horgan to play. I'd so, first half chances, Carl. There was a glut of first half chances. McAllister was briefly possessed by a tricky winger. He jinked his way towards the box and unleashed a powerful drive just wide of the post. And he had a header off the crossbar. He too. had a header off the crossbar. And then he did it again, not much later, with another shot. And uh, a big fan of Davy Mack, though. I mean, he's good in the ball, chips in with goals. He likes a rail and he seems to hate the balls. So, he's, he's good in my books. Definitely hold on to him. He's uh, he's been really good this season. Yeah, hit the woodwork twice, didn't we? Shaw. Yeah, Shawzy hit a uh, off the bar and under. So that and was he, all. First half, we should have had him wrapped up. And he was true on goal. Was this after his goal? He uh, he was true on goal and he blazed it over with the left foot. Yeah, you yeah, should have buried it. In fairness. Really got under it. Yeah, so Shawzy's goal after an array of chances. Uh, Brando ghosted by a defender. He made it look easy and uh, the yeah, fullback. Great run, yeah. But it was yeah. just eating dust and then a gorgeous cross for Shazzy to poke home. Real poacher's goal. Can't remember me like setting up a goal like that. 
Especially yeah, no, his assists have been a little bit down. It's usually Clark or Madden who make those sort of runs and drill across the puck. Yeah, he absolutely left them for dust, that defender, and it was a great goal. But uh, yeah, 12 goals for Shaw this season, 11 in the league, which is a great return. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he wanted to get into double figures, and he's there now. And he set his personal goal, and he can only get better, hopefully. I remember he told us when he was on the show that he was looking at this run-in against Sligo and Harps and those sort of teams, and he said he fancied two or three more goals. And he's delivered those. Yeah, I think um, I think his next season's tally should be up near the 20 mark, I reckon. And that's what he should be setting himself to do because he's well capable. But as I said recently, if Graham Burke stays and we keep that partnership, and if they deliver 20-25 goals together, that is good enough to win a league. Yeah, I think so. I really do think so. Because, like, I mean, how many goals would Burke have gotten if he wasn't injured, you know? You, you don't know. Yeah. So he's getting back to fitness slowly, but surely... Well, the first half, yeah, I think we were both saying it kind of played out like a end of season affair. Sligo looked like a mid-table team. And yeah, I was really surprised for. at their attitude and general demeanor. They they looked like it was like a dead rubber, and they weren't interested at all. So yeah, um, after they went one nil down, it was like it was over. But they came out fighting in the second half, and we'll talk about Daniel Kearns' tackle on Pico Lopez. Could have been a red. Went in very hard with a stud Sean. Thought it should have been a red, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. It didn't. I don't think it even showed back in Soccer Republic, did it? That's what I was about to say. They completely it, missed it. It didn't make a Soccer Republic. Bradley said afterwards that if that was us, it would be a red card. Ah, without a doubt. And yeah. how, I don't know how they can miss these things. I mean, that was a really... Yeah. It was a talking point in the game. Also, what's the story with replays not being shown on Soccer Republic? Because, like, you barely see the guy celebrating and then it cuts away to the next chance. And and then they'll cut over to, like, Dave Vardy talking about chips for 10 <laughs> minutes. It's it's just give... We want to watch the football. We don't want to see Dave Vardy. <laughs> just keep showing the football. That's what it's about. Football. Focus on the football. So, uh, we had Regan Dunalon's free kick for the equaliser. Uh, second look at it, Carl. I think the wall could have been better. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe some bigger lads. I think you said it Bulger was, was in it. It was a three-man wall, and yeah, Bulger, I think, was in the centre. You know, it wasn't exactly top corner, and it seemed like Horgan was a little bit too far left. It was a good free kick, yeah, but... I get, he struck it well, I mean, but it seemed like Horgan was a little bit too far left, not giving him enough time to shimmy and get across and maybe tip it over the bar or, or catch it, you know? Mm. So, um, like I said, we, we might sound harsh here. We're always picking at something, aren't we? Yeah. But it did, it's just what it seemed like. And uh, There was another scuffle in this game. I think someone said Horgan ran half the pitch to get involved in it. Yeah, and he was booked. He was booked as well. He got a yellow. And it was Sligo's biggest crowd in years, I found. Uh, they found their voice after the goal as well. Um, they could have nicked it with former Crumbling United man Greg Morehouse hitting the bar with a header and the rebound just falling unkindly for the oncoming Sligo player. That could have been just tapped in if I had a fell yeah. to someone, you know. Did you see that back? It was a weird backwards It header. was a weird one. It was like Shepard against Bowles years ago. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. All the momentum was with Sligo at that point. Yeah, I really they, thought they were going to nick it. They one. could have nicked it, yeah. Maybe that was their game plan, you know. Sit out the first half and then attack us in the second considering they talk, they're playing on Tuesday they're just off the back of a really tough game against Dundalk but this has happened to us a lot this season against the lesser teams remember Limerick as well we we took the lead in that and we got hit in yeah. the last minute Ogbeni. where we should have been out of sight at half time could have been 4 or 5 up with all the chances we had and then we get caught with an equaliser it's happened a it's few times it's definitely points dropped definitely points dropped but um, but uh, Lee Gray is impressive again uh, once again he's he's this guy's impenetrable isn't he he's such a good player Yeah, he's so impressive and I mean it's only that partnership's only going to get better with him and Pico and I think it's going to it's going to stick as well I hope Pico stays centre back I 
Definitely think he will. I think, th- I mean, it'd be mad to change it. I think those two are going to stay centre-back and then we might, might draft in the midfielder because I think Lopez is, or Webb, Webby's going to be the, the cover there, you know. Or he could maybe even a squad player they'll throw him in midfield like they have done this season. But I don't think he's going to break up that cent- central the defensive pairing. Mm. I think... Um, well, I'm not, I'm not sure when you think about the rumours as well we're hearing Gartland might be coming in we're not sure so we, we don't know how the management thinks we don't know how they want to improve or we all know how we want to improve we all have our own opinions yeah but you'd like to see Grace and Pigo build a partnership over a season and a half you know that's how you build a team yeah I think so understanding and uh, Pico's a leader as well you know he's, a, he's definitely um, got a great attitude but yeah, so Stephen Bradley said he knew that Tuesday would catch up with us in the second half. Well, Shaw said they felt like they were in great condition, but they were mentally drained. So um, there's only one man to talk about that. And up next is Darren Dillon, the Rovers strength and conditioning coach. And we caught up with him at Kickstart in Brookview. Now we're here with Darren Dillon at Kickstart Fitness in Brookview and the strength and conditioning coach for Shamrock Rovers this season. Darren, you've been grinding away in the fitness scene for years now and Kickstart's a household name now. So what inspired you to go out on your own? Um, I think I was always just that way inclined really you know um, kind of struggled walking for people I always kind of felt the need to do my own thing so I guess that was really it you know um, I suppose when I got into the fitness industry fairly early on I realised that I um, just wanted to do my own thing with it you had your own ideas yeah and yeah that's it really you know and uh, you're the strength and conditioning coach for Rovers this season and how did the opportunity come about and was there any hesitation on your part in taking the role um, no hesitation at all. Obviously, um, <clears throat> just once it it, it made sense, uh, bearing in mind the responsibilities I have here with my own business and to my staff and, and members here. So, um, the opportunity came. I suppose I'd worked with the under 19s um, for a couple of years and uh, some of the underage squads. And I think when Stephen came in um, as as the manager, obviously he's from Jovestown and from Jovestown myself as well, so we would have known each other from a, from afar, I suppose. Um, and and he just felt like he wanted to uh, he wanted to make a change there. And lucky enough, it was myself he wanted to use. So yeah, um, it just uh, I suppose an element of in the right place at the right time. And, and fell into each other's Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And is it a tougher challenge working with a group of footballers dealing with personalities and getting the balance right? Um, yes and no really I mean the nature of the business that I'm in is we're dealing with different personalities and characters all day every day I think um, the difference of working with, with professional athletes is that they you know they'll always demand more of me and I'll always demand more of them I suppose but I think what, what we have with, with Rovers at the moment is, is is a bunch of guys who are just really hungry so um, I very little resistance around doing the extra walk or maybe Would they push you on as well as as a as a coach because they might be a little bit more inspired than than regular clients as they have a goal and ultimately it's their job to stay fit. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny like th- a lot a lot of our members will be the same as well. Like they'll yeah. they'll tend to sense bullshit a mile away, and if you don't have your you know your your wits about you and you don't know what you're doing, then it won't be long being found out. Like you know, yeah. so I, I I definitely experienced that with the uh, with the players as well. I mean you can't uh, you know you can't you can't. You can't mix up a word or anything out there on you, you know, but yeah, no, they've been good, you know. And do you identify specific areas for improvement, like, for instance, upper body strength if somebody's getting knocked off the ball quite easily, or even dietary advice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I think the first thing that I did with the with with the lads, um, obviously, it was last November when um, when I spoke to the club about getting involved, and um, we we started to get the players in near the back end of November and early December to test them. So we do just specific bunch of tests on on their body and how they move and how much power they can generate when they're moving and stuff like that and any deficiencies that we see off the back of those tests we'll program for that to improve that like you know and Dundalk's at the bar in terms of fitness I mean what did you have to do to get them to that level today um, <laughs> yeah, um, the last three years anyway. Yeah, yeah I mean to be fair, point. yeah, obviously the Dundalk lads have done really well, and 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 that's what we want to do is we want to just make sure we match not just Dundalk to be fair, but you know all the top teams should be doing fundamental stuff when it comes to strength and conditioning, and um, I think if we do our job right, uh, we 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 just basically see that our players become better athletes, um, that they understand how to prepare, uh, how to recover. Um, and and you know how to be professional on and off the pitch really yeah, I think yeah. is the thing you know so and you must be the fourth strength conditioning coach to be sent off in League of Ireland history will you be appealing a touchline ban am I really <laughs> <laughs> um, no look I won't be appealing anything at all like I was you know just obviously a, a bit of a pushing and shoving broke out and I'm not a million percent sure how they picked me out of 30 people <laughs> but I think what they did was picked on the softer guy you know yeah, and uh, I've noticed you pluck a few balls out of the sky with ease and warm ups what's your football and background? I wanna be <laughs> um, no I, I, I played football growing up like most of us you know I played football and would have been uh, underage level played with um, Ballyferm United and Cherry Orchard and then locally then Jobstown Celtic and um and Fedekan, but never played in the league, never played professionally, and uh, as they say, those who uh, can't do tend to coach in some form or another. Yeah, yeah. So you must consider yourself a fully-fledged fan at this stage. Have you bought into the Rovers' way of life, considering you're in close quarters with the club? I've had no choice. Like It's immersed me, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, absolutely. Myself and Garrett... Um, who uh, who walks with me here at Kickstarter would have been watching the league over the last couple of years, and um, you know whether it be friends or clients of ours who were trying here, um, we'd go and watch games. So um, we've watched Rovers over the last couple of years, and um, you know it's 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 been a massive eye opener. Um, you know, watching it this year compared to what we would have understood went on, we genuinely didn't realise there was so much work went in behind the scenes and I suppose now that we're involved in it um, the real eye opener yeah it is to be fair you know because they walk they walk hard like you know mm. they, they really do so yeah it's been good and you took in your first Dublin derby this year were you impressed with the atmosphere and everything in general yeah yeah I've loved it I, I've, I've, I've loved every game to be fair I mean just preparations are, are pretty much the same no matter who we're playing from a physical point of view but obviously we work on different things Glenn and, and, and Stephen and Steve McVale will work on different things to get the players ready um, but from you know in terms of what we do to prepare the bodies before and after games we, we have a system that we, we don't tend to move away from so um, but when we when when we got to play in Dale, I think we only played once there this year didn't we? Yeah, We did actually two, yeah. at home and once two at home and once away yeah but I mean look for me, um, I'm 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 enjoying it so much that every single game that we've gone to, watching the Rovers fans follow us around the country, follow the players around the country, and how they respond to us when a game doesn't go so well as well. For me, has been it's just been unbelievable to be part of it. Like yeah. And finally, Darren, tell us a bit about Kickstarter. If fans want to take in a class, give you a quick free plug here. Yeah, no, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, we're based in, uh, in Brookfield Enterprise Centre. We've been running for six years, um, and we do everything from strength and conditioning for professional athletes, um, right through to you know beginner level fitness classes and and, and programs. So and you are the only TRX master in Ireland, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I am. It's quite, a, it's quite the uh, the moniker, isn't it? Yeah, it is. To be fair, you know, it's something that I chased in the first couple of years um, when I when I got involved with um with trx training it was just a style of training that i really liked you know and i saw the benefits of it and when i when i started to uh, to use it i realized that i wanted to know as much information as possible about it that led me to traveling to uh, where they're based in san francisco and um i've spent a couple of time i did all my education to become a master trainer for them over there so uh, it led us on a journey, I suppose, to becoming friends with them in San Francisco, and we now run all the education for them here and uh, and in the UK as well. So and you have an app you can download as well. Tell us a bit about that. We have, yeah. Again, it's Kickstart Fitness. Um, it can be it can be downloaded off our website uh, website, kickstartfitness.ie, and uh, has all our programs, timetables, classes. You can book in the class online can, as well. You can, you can indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Darren Dilly. Knows his stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he was having a chat with us after as well. He was saying he's in Rollstone every morning, working with the lads, combining that with his, his own business. And uh, I asked him about those TRX bars that are up there in Rollstone. It's like an adult playground. Yeah, it is, yeah. He's a very big, intimidating man, but when you get to chat yeah. away, we were saying he scared us. But, only, we're only, but yeah, when you get to chatting to him, he's a gent, you know, wealth and knowledge, and we don't want to give away too many secrets, but the team are in capable hands. That's the way yeah. I feel. That was a brave referee sending him off. It certainly was. And see the, the stare of death he gave him. Just as he went up, he opened the gate, yeah. he turned around and he gave him the uh, look. He kind of got on with it though. It was, <laughs> yeah. like, it was like, oh me, well okay. Yeah, that's what it was. Leave, he he so. took it well, yeah. yeah. And then we had Pat Dolan. He was in the star on Friday and he was showing the Rovers programme and Robert Goggins some love. Yeah, he does this thing where he says, Valentine's card, red card. And uh, yeah, he was full of praise for the Rovers programme. But he wasn't impressed that Brazder didn't have a sponsor this season. Yeah, that's that's a lot of players haven't got a sponsor. Yeah, a lot of players. I mean, it's it's a different time nowadays. People, not that many companies are willing to sponsor anymore, you know. But uh, not one, not two, but three mentions of our podcast in that program. Three programme mentions, girl. triple yeah. tre hat trick. Yeah, I did as I tend to do. I mentioned mm. in my article. We had Maloney making his case for Shawzy, Player of the Year. Yeah, full in in full agreement with you there, Maloney. Yeah. He mentioned uh, his, his guest appearance here in Johnny Bills. Yeah. I think Mick Cairns wasn't happy with us, was he? Well, it was actually written by Robert. I just mentioned that we, we hijacked Noel Larkin before he went on Scurrilous accusations. Yeah. Scurrilous. Uh, McDara, being selfish as usual. No mention of our podcast. Oh, it was all about God. him. And I take back everything I ever said about Joe McDara. Yeah, it was all about his testimonial year oh. right in the programme. Ten years. Ten years? Ah, brilliant. Yeah. Great stuff. No, that was a very good, good piece. He didn't, of course, he didn't know same as myself, whether that would even ever see the light of day because that was a replay programme. Yeah, yeah. Also, Maloney wants my post to be on Monthly Madness. Yeah, Jesus, that was... And do you know what? Is he, I haven't been on the forum recently. Is he still on it? Well, yeah. Every time we do is a draw, he has... He, he has pipes a few, up. few paragraphs, yeah. Speaking yeah. of the forum, I've mentioned this guy before. Maloney's hoops. Seriously, you're a troll? Just piss off. Yeah, has he not been banned yet, no? Yeah, so Malloy's hoops, this is the guy that just pipes up every time we lose or draw, isn't it? Yeah. It's something negative now. You don't, we don't even need to give that stuff time, so we'll just move on swiftly. Um, so that draw with Sligo meant that European football was secured for 2018. 
So get your standing order, set up your piggy banks at the ready and your credit union. Here we come. The hoops are back in Europe. Uh, we qualify because North Korea lost 1-0 in Dundalk and uh, some bants with Bray's official Twitter account soon followed. Yeah, some people liked it. Some people thought it was cringy. It was a bit cringy. A yeah. little bit. Especially with the the muck slinging that continued after. The the initial tweets were fine. Like it. Yeah. Even I entered the fray. Yeah, I didn't even see that. Did you but, enter? Uh, yeah, but I don't mind it on seldom occasions. Every week it would be very tiresome, but the odd time I don't really mind. Uh, yeah, so Cor- like our, our initial tweet was was really cool, and then they came back with like a a rubbish one. They pointed out that we lost our last two European games to a strong Czech team. Yeah, I mean, Burn. Like, when's the last time you're in Europe, Bray? Yeah, like eighteen, 18 years ago. ago so. Yeah. yeah, so uh, Cork drew nil all at Bowles. Uh, one fan had a Confederate flag. What was that about? Woo! Go slavery. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like that's that's the that's pretty much the gist of it. You know what I mean? These guys who have these flags, you'd wonder. Yeah, but um, I think Bowles had to beat them by all accounts, and they will be very unhappy and not taking the three points there. I can already missed a great chance. Yeah, I saw that. And that was our good pal Nate had some pals with him at the game. Nimby's on tour. Nate owns the Kangaroo Rovers flag, so our Aussie import that we met in Milano Boleslav. He's a he's he's a regular now. That's good to see. And uh, then the game at home to Derry on Monday for Cork City was called off because the roof on one of the stands on Turner's Cross actually collapsed. So there was major structural damage there. Still safer than Oriel, as someone pointed out. Still safer than Oriel, yeah. I certainly would feel safer in Turner's Cross than an Oriel, even with a collapsed stand. Apparently, uh, a fat guy used to go up on the roof <laughs> when balls got stuck up there. And he'd go up and get them, and he'd give Rovers fans the fingers. So all that years of abuse finally <laughs> come to coming home. So he might have contributed, yeah. But yes. Poor RTE, uh, spending a fortune trying to show Cork win that title for two months now. Oh, man. A fortune. Coursing them in the offices. The saying comes to mind, a watched pot never boils. Yeah. <laughs> so somehow the Cork game got the go-ahead anyway the following night. And it was another nil-all. So they finally won the league. They fell over the line. Pushed over line. Rolled over. There's no way they're retaining next year, Carol. Put money on that. There's no way. Yeah, but the four in a row is safe for another few years at least. Yeah, it certainly is. But there's, like I said, no way Cork will um, retain that because they just are not good enough. There's actually a Caulfield out Twitter account. I saw that, yeah. And like we like like I've been saying all season, they were a one-man team. And they proved it. They literally just be- fell over that line, so... Just on the the game being called off again, it uh, kind of reminds you of our title win 2011, UCD. Remember that was postponed on the Monday? Yeah. Because of all the heavy rain. It was really and bad. That that was causing chaos, yeah. I, a picture popped up on Twitter there recently of... Because um, I remember Dundrum Shopping Centre was flooded. I remember that, that yeah. That night. And, uh, saw a good pi- few feet of water in there. I saw a picture of Sivez uh, and Twig. Splashing around in puddles. Oh, I remember that. See, that flying in the, in the car park, yeah. didn't he? That was 2011. I think he only had three retweets. If that was today, it might be thousands. Like, yeah, Twitter yeah. wasn't big that big at the time. So we have um, some news. Great news for Pats on Friday. I mean, Carl, your prediction of minus two for Pats could be a stroke of genius. You watch Cork feel the kids and get hammered on Friday. It's guaranteed, isn't it? If you look at like last season, Bray beat them 4-1 at the end of the season. Pats beat them Dock 5-2. Yeah. So these results happen. They're going to be half cut most of that Cork team anyway. So that's that's the way it's going to work f- for that one. But like that hurricane nearly relegated Pats. I know it's crazy. That, that game had just been held off. 
I honestly thought I would. I didn't think they'd have it the next day. I really yeah. didn't. Every, no one expected that to be no. played. I thought it was going to be postponed for a week and I was thinking, lovely, Cork, have to actually go out and beat Pats yeah. now. But it wasn't to be. All oh, these fine margins that Pats are going to stay <laughs> yeah, up on. They are literally getting all the luck in the world here. Yeah. Um, I read a, a quirky stat, actually. Because you now, like, Harps are four points behind now, so they're probably gone. So it's between Galway, Pats and Sligo. Limerick got a win over Drogheda. They're probably okay. Yeah, I predicted Limerick to go down now, but they've had um they've had a resurgence recently. But this is a quirky stat: eight of the nine meetings this season between Galway, Pat, and Sligo have been one-all draws. Eight of the nine, all one-all draws, all very yeah. nervy affairs. Yeah, so we've got some. Um, we have D fifteen hoop on the forum pointed out that in series two and three so far it's Dundalk with forty five points, Cork with forty points, and Rovers with thirty eight points, and that's four points more than last season in the second and third series with two games still to play so we've steadily improved and I mean that's you have to also take into account that that was Finn, McAllister, Borg and maybe a few more with no pre-season as well so we are steadily improving yeah obviously that that first third just killed us yeah it was um, there was the Bradley out brigade was there as well wasn't it yeah if you look at the farm table since Maguire two wins in nine for Cork two wins in nine and that is like we said a one man team and fair play to Bradzer, I think it was uh, Barney who pointed this out. Do you remember, Bradzer actually got stick for saying that if you stop Maguire, you stop Cork. Yeah, which and is Cork the truth. fans were like laughing at us. Well, he was bang on. Yeah, bang on the money. I mean, look at them now. And we've been talking about this when, whenever we bring Cork up and say, listen, they're a one-man team. They really are. And they have struggled for goals since. Their forms it says it all. And just on the relegation issue again, it's like the teams that we want to stay up, Harps and Galway, we took all 18 points from them. <laughs> and the teams we wanted to go down, we gave seven to Pats and we gave four to Sligo. Oh, we just didn't do any favours to the teams that we want to stay up, did we? No. So that's Fikra O'Brolacon says, uh, couldn't be more perfect for us. Dundalk denied the four in a row and I have to go a year without prize money and Champions League but Cork going into the next year demoralised and in no way looking like retain. Set up perfectly for a new champion to emerge. So speaker of Fikra, we interviewed him in the weird washroom, and here he is next. Figaro, what got you involved in Rovers and the Ultras? Well, Rovers, first of all, I've been gone since I was in a buggy. So I suppose you have to say family, like my dad, she was supporting Rovers since he was a young lad. And um, yeah, so I've been gone to the RDS since I was in a pram. I was there when we won the league in 94, but I was three years old, so I <laughs> don't remember much of that. But um, yeah, obviously I've been gone to the matches all my life, and then would have been I've just always liked the atmosphere and the singing and stuff like I remember asking my dad could we go near the fans singing and stuff when I was younger and then probably about the 2005 season was the first year I started going with mates and stuff and I remember we used to hang around the ultras and like ask if they needed a hand handing out you know sticking flags up and stuff we used to always go up to chow the hoop ask if we needed a hand so probably about 2006 then it was actually Involved, helping out making displays beforehand and stuff. Um, so I've really been involved since then. And we had Forky on the show a few times, and Paul Thomas. I mean, you could say if you would have found the fathers, they took a step back in recent years. I mean, what persuaded you to step up and take a prominent role within the group? Somebody has to, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the likes of Forky and all basically helped create what the Ultras is today and laid a foundation for it, and then. Would have been after the first year in Tala, really. A lot of the older lads kind of t- took early retirement then, and 
we needed to keep the show on the road so yeah. I hope we've done a decent job yeah and, and personally I, I think what you do is amazing Carl's in the same boat as well I particularly like the straight out of Dublin display at the start of the season I mean what inspires your displays everything really like it kind of depends I mean, we, we seem to go through phases like there was I think the, the season before last was all movies we had the Warriors and yeah. a few other ones and then we kind of went through songs for a while with the, the, the straight out of Tala and the the big um I don't know if anyone other than the group got it, but the Paul Kalkbrenner display we did last year, uh, now rest the Lansdowne, so or now sleep the Lansdowne. So yeah, it depends really. Like the 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 thing is, there's only so many times you can do. She wore 17 leagues, 24 cups. Yeah, popular culture is a is a big thing, so yeah. it helps, isn't it? You know it does, uh, particularly when something comes out and you're kind of the first ultra group to do it. You know, it's yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm led to believe that you have links with other groups in Europe. I mean, I remember in Richmond a couple of years ago, St. Gallen and Voiborg were in town, and they ran a muck in the shed. Uh, are there any more links, and how do these relationships come about? Yeah, there's a lot of links. Some of them more tangible and real than others, you know. Some of them are kind of online relationships. Some of them come and go. Um, I mean, a lot of it is just the colours, green and white, and, you know, obviously we're very marketable being the... The one, one big Irish Ultras group, green and white, and all that. Um, yeah, most of it come about from the same colours. Like if you look at our, our friends down the years, Panathinaikos, St Gallen, Hammerby in particular, like they'd be the main ones. And so it starts with the colours. But if you kind of meet up once and you have the same kind of mentality and enjoy each other's company yeah. and stuff, you know that helps. And it blossoms then after that. Yeah, and there'd be a few other links that wouldn't even be so much ultras like to be the Frankfurt link for example um, a few others that Roma the Roma link as Roma, well that was yeah. Joda Hoop wasn't it that was yeah the kind of Steve Joda Hoop um, yeah more the John Byrne so they'd be the, the originals like of the ultras. Irish clan I think it was Irish wasn't clan it? yeah I had the pleasure of going over there for it was actually Keith O'Stag do <laughs> 2010 I think it was so I went over and um, we went to the, the Rome Derby there um, some atmosphere was it in the Corvus Sud yeah, of course yeah in the middle of it now as it happened it was a bit of a weird one to go to because their ultras both sides were on strike at the time oh, they just brought in that um, the, you know the restriction they have in Italy where you have to give your passport to get a ticket and all this stuff they yeah, just quite similar to Hungary you need fingerprints in Hungary yeah it's that bad yeah, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, the guards aren't quite that up to speed. So, yeah, that had just come in. So, both Lazio and Roma were boycotting at the time. But they were still there outside the ground letting off smoke and those sonic boom things they have. Yeah, and yeah. Um, then some of them were still in the ground, but we went in anyway and it was still amazing. You know, Keita was there saying, this is nothing on the last time, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something like you'd recommend, though. You'd recommend the Roma Derby. Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, Rajam, it was Totti didn't play. He was suspended, but he was in front of the curve of sword waving the TIFO flag by the end of the game. So you was got a glimpse of those locks anyway. <laughs> yeah, did you? But, um, see, we speak to other clubs' podcasts from time to time. Uh, Longford's Between the Stripes, for example. Do you acknowledge any other Ultras group in the League of Ireland, and is there any sort of relationship? There's certainly no relationship. Uh, do we acknowledge... At the moment, it's, it's a bit barren at the moment. Um, we were only talking about this in Drogheda there the other week. It doesn't help us when there's no one else. And at the moment, it's a bit bare. Like Going back, you would have had Shelburne had a great group for a while. Brigade Derrick, they're 
on strike now, but sure, that club doesn't really exist anymore, does it? Uh, then you had Drogheda. We were all talking about, you know, Drogheda used to be a good group. Now, one of their lads was here in the Glenmalure suite last week. Uh, he was telling us all about the demise of Drogheda and the board and what's going on. Yeah, but it's crazy what happened in Drogheda. Like, the club are dying. They have a dwindling number of fans. And the one thing they had was a good ultras group that were keeping everything together and they got rid of them. And you saw the result there last Saturday. Anyone who was there, we outnumbered them five to one. Yeah. You know, it was, it was sad. The, there was actually a few ultras from Frankfurt over at that game. They were at they were in Belfast before and they couldn't believe I was showing them photos afterwards of what Jada's ultras used to be. Mm. And uh, yeah, they couldn't believe it. And is there tension between ultras group in the same way there will be on the casual scene? Sometimes. Uh, I'll give you an example. It gets a bit tasty actually, sometimes. For example, tonight, it used to be, it was a big one for a few years ourselves and Sligo's ultras. Well, they insisted they weren't ultras I don't know what they thought they were but fours or rovers as they called themselves yeah. um, they had a very good artist making nice pictures for them for a while there oh, yeah. we, had, we had a bit of a rivalry there until they faded away like the rest of them but uh, we've another personal favourite of mine was the We Fear No Danes piece and it's how do you even start such a big complicated display and is there a creative process or do you just go with the flow Oh, there's a creative process. There's a lot of debate. There's cans involved, is there? Oh, it has <laughs> to be. Yeah. No creativity otherwise. Uh, yeah, there is. And then a lot of it depends on how you're going to make it, what, what's going to work. Um, we've gone through different periods of what we can do and how we make things, mostly depending on location. Which I won't go that into seems to be a constant struggle. It is, yeah. Like It's a big thing. If you don't have a space to make the displays, it's very, very hard and the facilities to make it in so you're limited by that um, which a lot of work goes into I mean for example even and it's a lot smaller than that uh, We Fear No Danes banner but what we had the other night took us 8 hours to do yeah. you know, and you got to work with time time, is, time yeah. is the key there because you probably have to get out of the venue that you're in isn't of course it? yeah, yeah. I mean, we, is, it a, is it a case of uh, sneaking in anywhere or uh, we had to sneak out of a very place close to us right now once before but now uh no, we, we like luckily at the moment we have a place we can use. Um, li- little limited in size wise, but but for example, another issue you have, especially in Tala on Tuesday, that that should have been standing up and it would have yeah. been much more visible. But the wind just wouldn't have. You could have done about the wind. The wind was crazy that night. No, we all would have flown away if we <laughs> had <laughs> done that. <laughs> yeah. And the fans in, if it should fall there, it's a fantastic read. Will it make a comeback next season? I'd certainly hope so, yeah, and I'll, I'll be pushing for that myself. Yeah, we, we have material kind of building up, so I think there will be at least one more issue of it. Uh, obviously, these days, it's really hard to keep anything print going, you know. Um, I mean, even the biggest print editions in the world are struggling, so it's, it's hard enough for us. And we wanted to do something quality, as I think everyone saw with the, the print values and the the material in it so we, we don't want to just have some you know piece of paper printed out with a few yeah like a flyer or some some rubbish no. you know yeah we don't want any of that so stand by your work yeah and finally figure sum up the season in three words and give us your player of the year and young player of the year season in three words our day will come <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's four <laughs> that'll do but give us your player of the year yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chucky, that'll do. So, player of the year and young player of the year. Player of the year, it's really hard this year, which is great. Like the last few years, it's been glaringly obvious. Either a goalkeeper or you know someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I think I'd have to give it to Brandon Mila over the course of the season, but it could so easily be Gary Shaw, Ronan Finn, and a few others. Uh, young player of the year, Trevor Clark. Yeah, Trevor Clark. Yeah. Yes, that was Fika. I love the ultra scene, Carl. Some real characters in there, some genuinely talented guys. Yeah, excellent insight there by Fika. And, really um, was, yeah. His dad was Rennie, as, as most people yeah, know. Yeah, Grey Hoop and a real character. He used to record the games, didn't he? Yeah. So, uh, he passed away in 2009, I believe. Yeah, so uh, always remembered fondly. And uh, like we said, a great Hoop and a real character. And uh, Fieger won a season ticket, actually, in the, the Connolly's raffle. Yeah, As, as yeah. did Mark Conroy. They both won a season ticket. And uh, that raised four grand, so fair play to the Connolly's. Yeah, fantastic amount of money raised, and well done to all involved, all the Hoops, all the Connolly's, anyone who tried to raise a few quid. And, uh, yeah, big shout out to John, because John, is, uh, he's very helpful with regards to podcasts in every, in every way, and uh, he's a big fan as well. So, Some people really wanted that Hoover. Yeah, I, I wanted the Hoover. Straight away, <laughs> and you heard in the Fieger interview uh, that we fear no Danes display. Yeah, and ironically, that's been doing the rounds on social media because Ireland drew Denmark in the playoffs. I mean, how lucky were they? How much luck did they get to, to draw Denmark? How lucky have we been the last three? Estonia, Bosnia, Denmark. That's hey, who are you dealing with? You're dealing with Christian Eriksen, and that's it. Yeah. So um, remember uh, Thomas Delaney. He, Thomas Delaney he yeah. played for Copenhagen against Rovers in 2011 and he's I think he's a starter now I think he gets his game yeah. for, for Denmark his great grandfather is Irish yeah I remember yeah. we talking about that traitor Tra- <laughs> yeah so we have a story from the Echo now uh, three tenders have been received by South Dublin County Council for the provision of a third stand in Tallis Stadium the tender for the third stand was reissued in late September after the previous tender attracted two applicants whose tenders exceeded the capital allocation by €450,000 now that's very interesting, Carl. Um, wasn't the previous two stands brought in in pieces like a jigsaw, then assembled? But I think the big question is, what colour are the seats? Ah, oh, that's the issue. Do you remember that? That was a crazy topic. People actually genuinely went nuts over that. Lego gate. Lego gate. Yeah. I'd love to see if we could make it safe standing, like in Celtic Park or or in Dortmund's ground. Uh, I think that'd be very cool but now here's another question will the fans now depart the east stand and into the new stand if we are shooting into it in the second half like mm-hmm. days of old I'd like to see the others and everything stay where they are yeah I in think the so. east stand but pack block M plus for the purposes of this show I hope everyone stays in the east stand yeah <laughs> tales from the east stand forward slash newly built newly north built stand. north stand yeah. second half <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the projected budget guideline is in the region of two million and recently received tenders will be evaluated in the coming weeks. So we'll just get the same guys who did it before. It's projected to kind of start work uh maybe next month or December, I think this this stands, isn't it? Yeah, so it's all very positive at Rovers at the moment with the Roadstone project and the new stand and all sorts of good things coming out at the moment. So it's uh it's very exciting times. Disgusted the season's coming to an end, Carl. So we have a uh, meanwhile the lamppost around Tallis Stadium will soon be adorned with green and white flags in support of Shamrock Rovers after a motion was raised by Sinn Féin councillor Dermot Richardson and was passed in the council chamber last month. So well done Dermot, great stuff. Uh, Dermot also opened up the doors of Tal- Adventure World during Storm Ophelia to anybody misplaced or homeless. So a selfless gesture from That's the right, councillor yeah. there. That was on Monday night during the hurricane, yeah, wasn't it? Fair yeah. play to him. There's not many out there that will do that. So, uh, like I said, a selfless gesture. 
And uh, yeah, this was despite the council issuing a lukewarm response to Councillor Richardson motion saying Tala Stadium is a South Dublin County Council owned stadium and to provide flags in the colours of Shamrock Rovers would not be in keeping with the promotion of the stadium as a destination for all events throughout the county. Now these, when they're talking about these events, I mean, how often is there other events in, in, in Tala Stadium? I mean, we're the sole occupants pretty much. So what's wrong with putting up a couple of flags? I, I mean, how often do they have other events in there? No, it's actually like not that often American football and stuff don't they in there yeah I mean they did they had archery a couple of years ago other than that there's not that many events so um, Councillor Richardson told the Echo the motion was passed so he's looking on it positively so uh, it's fully supported by all the councillors and council management they're going to meet with Shamrock Rovers soon to get the flags up and then we had Shamrock Rovers official Mark Lynch he told the Echo Shamrock Rovers are delighted with the idea as it would add great colour to match days at Tallis Stadium you know and uh, we are delighted with the support of all the councillors so it's adding a bit more to the stadium you know a personalised touch green and white flags all over you know you go by on the motorway and you realise there we go there's yeah. the hoops this is Rovers territory this is Rovers territory exactly and it has not been confirmed yet when the flags will be erected but they're going up yeah so uh, it's definitely positive stuff so Carl we had a great interview with God on the42.ie uh, Gary Twig said it's near enough playing it's near enough like playing for Celtic in Dublin in Scotland nobody likes Celtic and in Ireland nobody likes Rovers and I thrived on that when people said oh we hate Rovers and that made it even better because they obviously hate them for a reason so good old Twiggy sorely missed and uh, a quick question Carl would he fit into Bradzer's team and style of play nowadays? A fit, informed twig. How would he cope in that team nowadays? It depends on his age. And We're talking and inform, ripe twig, banging in goals. Let's say inform and injury free. Still quite a job to do that Gary Shaw role. I think it? so, yeah. He did it in Europe. Every single game he was on his own in front. Largely why he didn't score a goal yeah. in Europe. But uh, no, that was a great interview. Uh, I'm always fascinated by how He'd always played number 10 in his career before coming to Rovers. Even as a winger, I think he had a full yeah. back at one stage. Unbelievable. But he comes to Rovers and uh, Mike O'Neill told him, I want you to play the number 9. I want you to hang off the last defender and just get goals. What a move by Michael O'Neill. What yeah. vision to notice that this guy has goals in him and then to just stick him in at the deep end, throw him in his number 9. And after he scored that goal and Lissy Wolan, it was all uphill after that. And he was so close to retiring before... You went to Brecon. Yeah, I, he literally was going to knock it on the head, but he was persuaded by the great MON. I mean, if you read it, like every single club he, he moves to, Oxford, Hamilton, uh, Bristol, it's always like, well, I got injured here for six months, and then that was terrible. It's all I mean, fits and starts. That was it? that was a rough ride. Yeah. He had a couple of good, uh, I think he won player of the month at one stage as well. Yeah, that's right. And he had a couple of good goal scoring runs, but uh, like you said, he nearly, <laughs> he, nearly, he nearly packed it in. So that piece referred to him as a Rovers legend and no one, I mean not even my post could argue that Twiggy was a Rovers legend but Rohan Ricketts on Twitter referred to himself as yeah, a Rovers legend. it's different legend. when you're talking about yourself like that after what, four months? Four months Rovers legend? <laughs> like, I can, no, do you know what? I have no problem with that. He can say that because Rohan is just that type of guy. He's, he's a braggadocious type, you know, and I think, um, I mean how many clubs has he had in so many years? He's just a a wanderer a, mm. a nomad and he just travels around and, and ju- he's pretty much enjoying his life but I had nothing but good things about him I think uh, did you do you remember that goal where he left someone for dead I think it was against Sligo on, in Tala and he just skinned someone put a ball in with his left foot and I think Twig buried it and it was just a fantastic move but you can't forget that lob as well Carl he scored a legendary goal against Derry which virtually won us the title 
That is true. Seriously, like I'm just thinking back on that now. That goal was actually in slow motion in real life as well. Yeah, and uh, it like I'll never forget it. It was a really good moment when following Rovers. And when I went in, I just thought to myself, "We're going to do this. Want to win this league?" Also, I read this weird article. It was kind of it was an interview with uh, Adam Manis, and he was talking about Michael Neil Mosby. It was a Scottish website. And they linked Michael O'Neill with the Scotland job, which I thought was bizarre. When was this? Recently. Last week, yeah. No, why would he even bother? Why on earth? Why on earth would he do that? I mean, to be honest, Northern Ireland are probably a better team at this stage. Step down. Yeah, it definitely would. He's only going up. Definitely only going upwards. As I said once ago, you should only accept a Premier League job. I'm telling you, this guy Nothing lower. Yeah, I'm telling you, this guy. Look, a lot of people have said, who came out and said it? Somebody came out and said it recently that he's more suited to... Uh, international management because of his match analysis and his tactics and how he can deal with certain situations but I'd love to see him cope in, a, in an everyday situation with a with a Premier League team or just even a better team like that in general somewhere in Europe even I'd say he really misses club management the day to day though I think so yeah I mean there's a because I think it's a you could say he's wasted wasted at Northern Ireland is, is that harsh but he's doing a fantastic job so uh, and they drew who they got the Swiss so that's another yeah. one they could probably pull off as well I actually smiled when I saw that job yeah this is him all over <laughs> he's looking at this going we're going to analyse the jocks off Switzerland we're going to yeah. really have a game plan and we're going to take it to them I, they're going to sneak they're... a 1-0 aggregate win <laughs> yeah. over Switzerland yeah definitely Kyle Lafferty is going to go in off his arse and uh, they'll get through but they will move on now to our Roadstone project so we have the under-19s came from behind to win 3-1 away to water from the Shield quarter-final. So two brilliant free kicks from Richie English resulted in two cracking headed goals by Dean Dillon and a stunner from Sean Boyd. That's uh, Richie, our podcast guest last yeah, week. Yeah, well Richie, done. fair play Richie. You're whipping them in and uh, big Dean Dillon slamming them home. So they'll play Cabotelli in the semi-final on Saturday. 2pm kickoff at Tala. A big game, big event. Get down to Tala Stadium. I'm just going to keep screaming for a while, Carl. You'll <laughs> yeah. do that. So the winner of that would face either Derry or Finn Harps in the final. This is going to be a really good game. You're going to have the likes of Sam Bowen, maybe doing it. Uh, Boyd, you've got Dean Dillon, all four team players. So definitely some serious talent in that 19s. And I'd be very surprised they don't take home the silverware. So we forgot how young our squad are. And there's a lot of force teamers still playing that 19s football. So get down to Talent Saturday for a cracker of a tie, 2 o'clock. And if it's anything like the 17s game, it'll be a fantastic occasion. With some very, very good players. And we have the 15s who lost 2-1 to Bray at Rollstone. Evan Caffrey with the Rovers goal. And next up for them is Galway away Saturday at 2 o'clock. So Duffer and Lukey are on the way to Galway. The locker room bar car. We might have to take that one in, will we? <laughs> Do you reckon the oh, locker room yeah. will be open? So the 17s, they lost 1-0 at home to Bowles in the quarterfinal after extra time. A set-piece headed goal by Mitch Bourne in the 112th minute. These, do you know what? It's near enough to the minute that we can see the, to Dundalk in the semis, isn't it? Yeah, These. that was a killer. Yeah, Carl Noy went to this one. Um, the team was Gavin Bazuna in goal, Darren Prendergast, Eric Abulu, Adam O'Connor, the captain, alongside Jay Nwanzi at centre-half. Now Andy Spain, he was on Ireland duty, and then we had Kenny Cunningham, Jack Kelly on the wings, Evan Smithers. Excellent. Ola Kanye Martins, Connor Bean, and Dean Williams up front. 
So a uh, great support for Royce's side here, Carl. The attendance was estimated at just over 500. We had Linda Murphy O'Connor, one of our newest listeners, and she said that lads were delighted with the support. My son Adam said it was the class. It was class to play in front of a big crowd, and he's good. So uh, some excellent players. Both fullbacks were impressive, in particular Eric Abulu loves getting forward. Yeah, I've been, he was a great crosser, Carl. I've been praising Abulu, haven't I? Yeah, you, you were can, on to me can, about can, him. You can see he said, wait until you see him. Yeah. I also thought Dean Williams was excellent. He was a, he's smart in position in, in possession. Yeah. Never gave the ball away and he got into some really dangerous areas and I can see why he scored so many goals this yeah. season. Clever player. Yeah. yeah, he's very clever, wasn't he? It was just hesitancy in front of goal, really. I mean, we had enough chances to win the game. Yeah, we had them, We could have had them put away after 75 minutes, I reckon. I thought Adam O'Connor was solid at the back as well, Carl. Real prospect, tough, likes to pass it out and he was good in the air and uh, I think I'll be going to more of these games, Prof. The wingers maybe had an off day. Uh, like when I first saw Jack Kelly, he was quite good that day, but wasn't happening for him maybe in this game. But yeah, see, their fullbacks are actually quite good as well. One of them is, I think he's off to Crystal Palace soon enough, young Trehi. Um, he had a good game, so it was uh, they were up against it, you know, against a, an organised balls team. Yeah, but this team's had a great season. I mean, they they finished well clear in second place in their section. Uh I mean, to, to lose out by a 112-minute headed goal, you know, it's really tough to take. I like, I like how Reiser has been playing football. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You could definitely see it. And you could see his um, his coach, and he's very positive. He doesn't give out. He, 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 he's constructive criticism, and it's it's really good to see on the sideline. So. I like this Hannon fella that came on as well. He, really, oh, he was going through people, wasn't he? He gets stuck into the tackles. He was stuck in. It was yeah. very sober and fair. This is what they yeah. needed. They needed a bit of bite in midfield. Uh, Maureen Conley says the pass are after him, so maybe Ooh. should we try and keep on. Yeah, keep hold on to him. him. But that's a little inside info there, Maureen. That would have been their first Dublin derby and maybe the biggest crowd some of them ever played in front of. So, could have been nervous, you never know. But yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, he doesn't, he, he's, some of the parents are shocked that he doesn't play that often. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that, make sure Pats don't poach him. That was the second game that went to extra time in Tala, where we had no scoreboard and no one had a clue how much time was left. <laughs> yeah, so, we were actually, yeah, we had no idea because when we conceded, we were thinking, oh God, what's left? Yeah, that's no idea. I, I'm bringing my, my stopwatch back next week. Yeah, you, I, was, I used to always harass you and say, what's left? Yeah. Until the scoreboard came in. But um, Dan Fulham was there watching the game and he spotted a few Larrys in the crowd. Yeah, we thought it was going to be a bit of a, yeah. a, bit of a, uh, a tiff. He said that the Robbers' goal was a signal for them to run on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, we had a good, uh, we had a good vantage point. We could have just ran straight on, straight yeah. through the yellow barrier and on. Fair play to Pat Flynn for not getting sent off in a in a balls game. <laughs> yeah, no red mist there. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it from Rollstone this week. And uh, we're gonna move on now to our Rovers player education partnership so that was with Asheville College and it is designed to deliver tailored leaving certificate programs to the club's youth players now this is a fantastic mm. setup, Carl it's something I'm really really interested in about so, educating young guys and letting them play football professionally as well it's something that has been missing in Ireland for a long long time a long time so Shane Robinson Carl you have a bit on him yeah Robbo our academy director he said for far too long this country has lost its most talented players to the UK at early ages most lads and their parents have cited no real alternative for them to stay and fulfil their potential as the reason for this. It has been the club's intention to combine a footballing programme with an educational one over the past three years. This partnership with Ashfield College now provides a real alternative for our best players to leaving those shores. We currently have three talented teenage Shamrock Rovers players, 
that's Aaron Bodger, Dean Dillon and Gavin Bazuna, in full-time football training every day with our first team, will also sit in their leaving cert in one of the top-ranking schools in the country, in a schedule built around their footballing diary. Ashfield College has been successfully maximising their students' potential for over 30 years. Shamrock Rovers will work hand-in-hand with Ashfield College and help the boys in every way possible to fulfil their footballing potential. That's a serious statement right there. Think about that. I mean, I've been saying this for years, Carl, about the conveyor belt that is young Irish teenagers going abroad and having absolutely nothing to come home to. And it's yeah. it's every May, I think it is, you'll have maybe 80% of the kids coming home and you won't see the DDSL clubs looking after them. They're coming home and they'll play maybe Leinster Junior. They'll play maybe Leinster Senior League. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but obviously these guys want have, have, have aimed higher and they're coming home without an education gone are the days of leaving in third year after third year after a junior and going abroad to an, an English football club I think anyone who does that is crazy nowadays because the percentage of success is just not high enough or, or it's, just, it's yeah it's 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 crazy so you you let your child go abroad at 15 16 anymore I think you really need to have a look at yourself and, and get your child educated before you send them off to England to live with maybe an au pair or on their own at 15 or 16 you need to get them educated and, and let them continue on their football over here that's the way I feel anyway absolutely and yeah. I've been is, I've been going on about this for years this is a huge step forward yeah massive massive step forward and it's really really interesting so we'll be keeping you updated on that and uh, what else we got we have the Junior Hoops party it was a right old ding dong of a party and uh, it took place just before the 17s game on Sunday afternoon I signed Jaden up as a member so Hoops get your kids signed up it is a fantastic experience and uh, they get to wave the players out. They get all the sweets and the juice in the world. and um, They all got their scarves on the day. They all got scarves. They, uh, there was a raffle for a signed ball. I'd say, I'd say the young lad who won the ball had it 30 seconds before there was a game of heads of volleys going in the Glenmalore suite. <laughs> and I was looking at it going, the signatures, Jesus Christ, put it in a box. <laughs> But uh, fair play to Glenn, Bill and Anthony. They work wonders and they provide a great experience for our future season ticket holders and members because realistically that's what they are. They are the future. These yeah. are the future. So we get them hooked while they're young and I mean, Jaden can't wait to come back every week. He's making pals. I think young Nathan, he was made, he made a pals. Uh, Frankie and Louis, Packle Martin's kids, all these young guys, they're going to grow up following Rovers and that's what you want. You want lifelong friends growing up following Rovers and plenty of people have done it. Likes of, uh, I mean... I, I think recently, I think it was maybe Joe's who's talking about his his, his, his maybe his half his wedding party at Rovers, and they're all uh, he's met some of his best pals through Rovers, and that's the way it should be, you know. And uh, yeah, so that's the junior hoops. So get yourself signed up. It's only ten euro for the season, and you reap the benefits. So we have uh, Luke Proctor as well. He really enjoyed the Junior Hoops Player of the Season awards and a little bit of gratitude for Bradley at the end was a touch of class by those involved. What struck me most was the way Bradley walks in, conducts himself with the kids and the parents and his speech at the end. So most likable manager in some time and it just shows how seriously he cares. Aside from being an absolute gentleman, he's proud to have him as manager. I know Tuesday's titanic battle ended in victory to the knock but I think next season, I believe, we will have the last laugh with great belief having with this manager and a young group of lads who actually care and I'm not here for a pay packet on a sunny afternoon. We are very excited for next season and the remainder. So let's keep it going. Um, yeah, it's a, we had a qu- quick chat with Bradley and everything is very positive at the club. Same with Rochi. Rochi, the chairman. We're going to try and get Rochi on and a couple of members soon. Talk about what's planned for the members and um, just plans in general for the club because uh, everyone's been really positive as well, Carl. So with us and it's it's fantastic to have that support, isn't it? 
Yeah, it would be great to have the, the lowdown on phase two of Rollstone as well. That's, he'd, oh, he'd be who to ask. Uh, yeah, maybe so. Maybe that's what we want to go down that road. And if he's willing to tell us, we'll get him in. Maybe get him in monthly madness. We know Rochi likes a drop. We're not hanging out here or anything like that, but we certainly know he does. And um, that's not a bad idea, Carl. We could get a couple of people, a couple of members in, a couple of the board in for monthly madness under aliases. Yeah. I don't think they want to give away too much. They can review our performance in the podcast over here. Yeah, the, see if we get a new contract. The secret board member, but uh, no, we do have a lot planned for the end of the season. We will have a survey to get your thoughts and your uh, ideas on what you like, what you don't like, and maybe even a poll, the prof or Gary. But um, only one minute. <laughs> so uh, we've loads planned for next season. Loads planned for the end of the season. Like I said, with the special extravaganza bonanza live studio in session, Johnny Blues Bar. Give us something else, Carl. <laughs> Live studio sessions. It's going to be a cracker. With, like I said, it's going to have loads of gargle, loads of talk and loads of madness. So keep tuned for that. But we still have a little bit to talk about with the junior hoops and we have Bill Gleeson. So he's going to tell us a bit about him. Okay, I'm here with Bill Gleeson who manages the, the junior hoops. And we just finished the junior hoops award here at Tata Stadium. So give us a rundown on what happened. Yeah, we've just had a lovely, uh, lovely small party there for the kids. Um, about 25, 30 kids turned up. Plenty of sweets and uh, crisps and sugar to get them going for their parents on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, we, the kids have been voting for the last couple of weeks for their uh, junior hoops, young uh, junior hoops player of the year. And uh, they're delighted to present it to Trevor, Trevor Clark today, who uh, seemed humbled by the award and um, we also made a, a small presentation um, from the Junior Hoops to Stephen Bradley for our gratitude for everything he's done for us uh, this season. And Bradley made a few, word, few words himself? He, he seemed uh, quite pleased and he, uh, you know, he's uh, very aware that you know, the kids, we target primary age kids and you know, getting the, the, the kids that age along to, to games and to meet players and things like that is a big part of building the cohesion uh, in the, you know, that, that we're, we're seeing in the club this year. I'm sure the junior hoops will continue to grow. What can we expect from next season? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, this year it's, uh, it, it's kind of been restarted. Uh, uh, I've been working with Paul Weaver, Glenn Dunn, Anthony MacDonald and the four of us have kind of been kind of learning on the job, so to speak, uh, we've been quite pleased with what we've done. We've we've managed to run something at almost kind of every game. We've had kind of colouring competitions. We started the Guard of Honour. Uh, we've had kind of treasure hunts and all sorts. So, um, one thing that we'd like to do next season is kind of more events with the players. And Stephen kind of alluded to it there um, uh, in his few words that it's something that uh, he'd like to kind of help out with uh, signing events um, uh, and so on for next season. I think it's uh, Paul Clayton who works with the match day mascots. He does a fantastic job, doesn't he? Well, Paul's second to none. In fact, I mean that that was really. I was living abroad uh, for a number of years, and um, on one visit back, got my eldest to be a uh, mascot, and uh, Paul kind of you know met us at reception and gave Dan, my eldest lad, uh, you know a day to remember, and he was absolutely hooked. And that's gone back a good few years, and the junior hoops were running back then, and. Uh, Again, just on a trip home to Dublin, uh, brought the, the the kids along, and you know they met the players at the time, and it really hooked them in. And subsequently, my my other kids have been mascots as well. And you know what Paul does on a match day is just unbelievable. His he, he's got so much enthusiasm. He's great with the kids. He knows everybody, of course. So you know you're introduced to everybody. He's kind of you know you meet all the players, you meet the manager, uh, into the refs room, you know out on the pitch, 
it's it's just it's a fantastic experience and you know if if people have the cash for it geez absolutely you know it's a great birthday present or something like that for for kids as well I remember seeing a picture a few weeks ago of uh, Ron Finn and he's grinning from, from ear to ear and the kids look happy too, so he's really good with them, isn't he? Oh, Finner's brilliant, yeah. He, he uh, came to an event we did at the start of the season with Lukey and uh, Sean Boyd and he stayed for ages. Um, he absolutely very, very friendly. Um, we've seen him pictured in the Junior Hoops Facebook frame uh, as well. He seems to kind of play along with all that as well. So yeah, he's great and, you know, it's we're all kind of really looking forward to, you know, just continuing on the junior hoops uh, building it and with Finner you know as captain Bradley as the manager it's you know we're kind of all set really to, to improve the mascots meeting the players and the manager makes their day doesn't it the, oh yeah I mean it, you, you see the pictures of the kids never mind Finner smiling it's the, you know the kids you, they, you have to kind of talk them down after it it's uh, they're, they're, they're so enthusiastic you know they, they love it being out on the pitch you know Hooperman kind of gets them all clapping on the way back in they always get a cheer from the crowd from both both sides of the ground um, and it's certainly you know it's, it's, it's the real kind of thing that memories are made of so you've handed out awards today but what is uh, your award for player of the year and young player of the year Oof, on the spot now um, I, I kind of <laughs> find it hard to swerve away from the, the constituency uh, vote so I'm going to have to go um, uh, well, Trev for player of the year oh, young player of the year probably also Trev uh, but I really liked um, what Aaron Bulger has done since, she, since he's kind of had a, a run of games in the team as well I saw you handing out the green ribbons for the FBI Cup semi-final unfortunately we didn't get the win but the young kids the school boys they're making some racket in the West Ham aren't they yeah, they were brilliant. There was uh, a big crowd from the academy came along for the uh, for the night, and they're all in their uh, all in their green jackets. Um, they they did did the guard of honour on the night as well, welcoming the teams onto the pitch, and they made a racket. They were just up in that corner of the um, the the main stand here, uh, just never stopped. It was absolutely brilliant, and um, yeah, we kind of hope for many more nights like that with those guys again. I'm sure you're as heartbroken as the rest of us after that game. Have you ever seen Rovers win an FA Cup? Uh, I've <laughs> I've been around for it. I wasn't uh, at the at the match uh, in '87. Uh, it was just around the time I'd kind of really started going along to Rovers. Um, I'd been to a couple of games at Milltown, very kind of sporadically. I hadn't really got the bug at that point, so I was aware of it. Um, I, you know, then it was I think just '91 uh, up in Lansdowne Road. Uh, I was at that, and that was kind of you know the start of the. You know, we all went into that match thinking, you know, we we. we sh- easily good enough to beat Galway in the day and they got a very late winner and jeez it was it was sickening and I don't know we, we all had a good feeling this year I guess um, you know we, we had a comparatively kind of sedate run to the to the semis um, and our performances against Dundalk up to then kind of you know you, you'd have a degree of confidence but look you know it's uh, it's just continuing let's hope it doesn't continue for too much longer Disappointing result against Sligo on Friday. What did you make of that game? Yeah, it was poor. Um, I mean, the, the team kind of changed around a little bit. Uh, we seemed to kind of start reasonably well and then just kind of fell back and didn't really turn up in the second half, which is kind of the opposite, I feel, to kind of what we'd seen uh, for several games this season where we've been poor in the first and much better in the second. So, um Again, I just hope it's not kind of you know a bit of end of season kind of uh, ennui kind of creeping in. Uh, still got a couple of games, you know. We really want to win them both and, uh, and get third place, consolidate that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Bill, and you heard Bill. Uh, he picked Trevor Clark for Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. So both 
He picked both. That's well, he, I was he, shocked at that one. He gave a nod to Aaron Bolger. He quite likes Aaron. I was torn between the two. I won't tell you who I picked yet. I know everybody. Well, do you know what? Might as well. I picked Trevor Clark for Young Player of the Year. He's most consistent young player out there. Aaron Bolger's only kind of emerged towards the end of the season. Sam Bone hasn't really played. Boyd hasn't really played. Um, I think if Bulger had played midway through the season I think I would have picked him but I think because Trevor is the only one playing consistently really and Duna I mean Duna got 7 goals in fairness but I think Trevor Clark is uh, the legitimate choice for young player of the year and of course Mr Daddy Kill himself is my player of the year yeah um, I think we, we agree on that don't we yeah. Gary Shaw I saw someone say that if if the vote is for the most consistent player over 33 games or 45 games in all competitions he said that you have to go for Trevor Clark. Yeah, pretty that's, much that is though. That actually, has to be it though. But that's precisely why I think Shaw should win because he's been more consistent than Trevor. Yeah, I think so. And we've had um we've we've been praising I've noticed we've been praising Shaw more than Clark. And that's yeah. nothing against Clark, that's just how Shaw's even playing so well this season. He's he's considerably improved considering his goal tally at previous clubs and uh, his work rate is outstanding his goals tally in double figures now and like I said he should be aiming for 20 goals next season and a big improvement but like if someone, hard to improve on his work rate he's no way he's just a, he's a workhorse but 20, I think 20 goals is well capable next season if someone walked in here now and insisted that Ronan Finn or Brandon Mealy should be player of the year I'm not going to dismiss him I'm like fair enough they've had a great season yeah yeah I think so um I, I think Ronan Finn is a great show for player of the year and Brando as well but like I said that Finner had a slow start but yeah he did he's yeah, been immense he's, he's been stunning with his his, yeah. his engine has just improved so much like I said we've gotten a better Finn back but like with Brando again right we are like people might think I might be harsh with Brando and every time I talk to him about him it's, I might, it's, it's like I, I'm, I'm talking about him and he has to improve but the thing is with Brando he has so much talent he's the most talented player in the league probably up there with McElhaney I think that's fair to say. It's him and McElhaney the best players in the league and if we could get him to play consistently each week, I think he needs to be playing in the hole as well and um, I think we'll talk about this on... Well, he scored 15 goals out of position. Uh, that's what really. I'm saying. He's an absolutely top-class fucking footballer so that's what I'm saying. I, I just know it's, it's, like, it's like a father talking to a son about his results and he knows he can do much better. He's doing good. He knows he can do much better. And he's just trying to gently coax him to do better. So that's what I'm trying to say, son. Brando, if you're listening, you can do much better, son. <laughs> but he can do so much better. And um, I think his assists were down this season, were he? He hasn't had yeah. that many assists. But look, I said, listen, leading with assists. That, that guy is stunning. Stunning footballer. So um, he, well deserved if he does win player of the year as well. But our, our choice is Shazi. Uh, we had Fikra as well Fikra chose Brando and Trevor for his player of the year yeah, so uh, make sure you vote for your player of the year the link to vote for your player of the year went up on the Rovers website and Facebook so make sure you get your vote in the poll closed on Sunday I already put mine in so uh, it's I mean this is a big thing this time of year so yeah, definitely get too. your vote in if you're listening to this late on the Saturday or early Sunday hit pause now and get your vote in hit pause get onto the Facebook and onto the official Rovers site and vote and uh, like I said, we'll uh, we'll talk about the little bash that's coming towards the end of the year mm. now. But uh, although Darren Meenan is mysteriously missing from the voting options, Gar. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm, it's this Darren Meenan issue was is a strange one. Not on the bench, not on any completely frozen out, not even towards the player of the year. Mm. So something happened. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to discuss the Rovers Player of the Year awards now. I cannot wait for this, Carl. I'm glad to see. Mm. Uh, we were actually having a do again. So it's in the 1899 suite on Friday, 27 October. So it's going to be pretty much twinned with the game. 
and uh, that's after the Limerick game and it's open to everybody 10 euro ticket gets you entry to the 1899 suite from 6pm there's finger food a bottle of beer and a DJ till half 11 so for a tenner you get a beer you get beer you get food you get a DJ fantastic value party time lads so it's been really positive season the bar's open till half 11 and you can drink you can sing you do the okey cokey you do what you want with your hooped brethren so as you say it's great that we're having an event because there was a couple of years there we had a down by the touchline very low key affair yeah I mean just make sure you stick around and have a couple of beers I mean it's a Friday night what else would you be doing and if you're going to head off to another pub why bother stick around the Glenmalore pay your tenner in get your gargle get, get a few gargles in it could be drinks deals on the night so get on down and party with the hoops and celebrate the player of the year awards and we also have an end of season lunch in McGrattan's on Saturday the 11th of November which sounds very appetising it'll be a half twelve one o'clock, uh, half twelve, yeah, it's half twelve, yeah. We have 40 euro for a two course lunch with a welcome drink and a post lunch comedian. I'll tell you what, there's a few Rowers fans that could jump in there, a few comedians, yeah. and the season review and 2018 preview with the football department. So that would be very interesting, Carl. I think we're going to have to head along to that. I think we will. And we'll have to cover it for the podcast. That'll be another reason that we could even talk about that on the Monthly Madness or get some sort of show out of that. You're just dying for content. We're just dying for content. We're trying to get something out of it. But um, yeah, so that's that. And that is the end of season lunch in McGrattan's Saturday, the 11th of November. 12, 12, 40 quid, two course lunch, comedians, drinks, the whole lot. And uh, get on down. So up next, we have Carl's stats. Right, so here come the stats, Carl. We have Shark Rovers. They have finished in third place only twice in the last 50 years. That's a, that's a cracker straight off the bat. Yeah. 2002, 2003 and 2015. We don't do third place, do we? No. Nope. Uh, Derry will be the first team to finish lower than Rovers in the table despite holding a 100% record in meetings with the Hoops since Galway United in 82 and 83. We just couldn't beat a Shields team this year, could we? Uh, Rovers won the 2010 title even though they lost three times to sixth place Dundalk. Since then, Bray 2011, Bowles 2012 and Pats 2017 gained two wins and ended up beneath Rovers. We'll move on to St. Pats and if they go down, it will be the fourth time since 2008 that Rovers failed to beat a relegated team. Finn Harps and Cove Ramblers. Wexford in 2016 are the only relegated team to beat Rovers in the last eight seasons with a 1-0 win in Ferry Carrig, wasn't it? That was 2-0 actually. Oh, I remember. Yeah, they scored late in the second. I remember listening to it on the radio. Couldn't make it down. I think Paul Murphy scored that day. Remember a large man in midfield. A yeah. large man, Murphy. Yeah, yeah. large man, Murphy. Um, on the flip side, Rovers beat second place Dundalk twice this season, defeated runners-up Drogheda three times in 2012 and champions Bowles twice in 2009. Rovers have... That was the infamous 2-1 win that adorns our wall in here in Johnny Blues. And the 1-0 win. Uh, Amund got the goal as well. Ah, yeah, Podge. It was a scruffy goal. But, and those Mr. Bourne's penalty that's still hurtling towards space... Yeah. Uh, Rovers have qualified for Europe in four consecutive seasons for the first time since the four in a row playing in the European Cup from 1984 to 1987 the Sligo game was Rovers first draw in the league since Pats on June 2nd a run of 12 games the Tala era record was 15 games in a row from 2015 to 2016 and we had goalkeeper Kevin Horgan made his first competitive appearance uh, since Cork in May and it was his only other league start this season Regan Donnellan became the first player to score a free kick against Rovers in a league game at Tallis Stadium since Ian Birmingham for Pats in 2010. And I remember that. It was out in that dreaded position that I hate, Carl, where yeah. we've conceded so many goals, those deep crosses. And it was, uh, it was a bit of luck to it, wasn't there? It was floated in and... I never saw that game. Yeah, it was floated yeah. in and it just kind of went 
um, nobody touched it. It was one of those where nobody went near it and it just mm. floated straight in. I remember it well. Every time the opposition gets a free kick in a dangerous area, Gary grabs my arm and goes, there's a goal. <laughs> just terrified of those areas. Yeah, so that was Birmingham 2010. And Donnellan's was 200 goal that Rovers have conceded at Tala in all competitions. So since going public with their financial problems, Bray Wanderers have won two out of 13 games in all mm. competitions. 2-1 at home to relegate Adrada and 5-0 away to Derry. Yet they actually have the fifth best form in the league. Nine points in the last six which isn't a lot, but in you know. this current farm table, which is all over the place, that is enough to be it the is, fifth it's all best. Over the shop. Rovers haven't drawn nil all since the game against Bray in October of last year. The last time Rovers went the whole league season without a nil all draw was in 85-86 when the Hoops didn't have a scoreless draw in any of their 40 competitive games. They played 45 games in this campaign. And we have Gary McCabe has scored 15 goals for Bray this season, but only two of those since the mid-season break. Aaron Green is their only ever present. Rovers have won six, drawn one, and lost one of the last away eight games, uh, eight away games in all competitions, including Bluebell. They have played only one league game on a Friday away, a one away league game on a Friday since July, and that was Galway nine weeks ago. That madness in Galway, yeah. what a win! Haven't played away in the league since then. Rovers and Bowers are the only teams that haven't drawn any away league game this season. If Rovers go the whole season without an away league draw, it'll be the first since 57 and 58. And 18 consecutive away league games without a draw will be the most of a run of 19 since 1924. Wow. Carl, stand up and take a bow for that. Uh, Rovers have scored 19 away goals, the same as Finn Harps. The Hoops could go a whole season without scoring three goals in any away league game, which also happened in 2002, 2003 and 2008. Bray have the third worst defensive record with 51 goals conceded. They have let in 27 at home. The joint worst with draw to keeping just one clean sheet at the Carlow grounds all year. It'd be interesting if they end up with a positive goal difference, which they probably will. They've got plus three now, I think. A positive goal difference having conceded 50 goals. Because I remember looking up that before. Has it ever happened? I think it's only happened once in the last 50 years or something. And it was also Bray in 2011 Jeez, that's nuts crazy stuff and then our last stat is the Rovers have only lost one of the last 19 meetings with Bray the 4-2 defeat here in April was their first loss in 6 years and 10 of the ex-13 hoops on Bray's books were in the matchday squad for that game yeah so that was the stats and now we are going to move on to starting 11s and predictions Yeah, so we're not sure about suspensions at the moment. So I'm going to go with Tomer in goal. I'm going to go Madden, Pico, Grace and Lukey. Finn and McAllister in midfield. But Brando in the 10 roll behind the striker with Duna and Clark on the wings. And Daddy Cool himself up front. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win in blustery North Korea. <laughs> I actually like the sound of your team. You've brought in Duna for Bolgia there. Yeah. So I'm going to go for the same 11 actually. <laughs> And I'll say our first away draw this season. Our first away draw. One all. One all. Yeah, so as we mentioned earlier, our own end of season special will be on the Sunday, 29th of October. So uh, fancy dress if you want. Coming up to Halloween, will we make it a fancy dress? <laughs> and uh, we'll have a surprise guest on next Thursday show as well. Maybe even two surprise guests. So you can all look forward to that. And uh, I wonder what they'll have to say about James doing his performance and questions from the East End because that is up next. So Carl joined me at Kickstart Fitness for the first time and our last one of the season and the players were on the way for some yoga that afternoon with Darren Dillon 
and uh, Shazi made sure he got a front row seat for this Shazi do you know what everyone got a front row seat everybody yeah. was interested they all pulled up a chair every time a player would just walk in and we'd tell them who we were quizzing they'd be like oh Jesus yeah, like that literally yeah oh Jesus so and I put up a poll asking how many points people thought he would get and 47% that he'd be disqualified for using his phone 47% so uh, let's hear Kaduna can prove the doubters wrong now we're back at Kickstarter Fitness and we have James doing it. Now we've quizzed 25 overs players this season. Everyone made a league appearance except one. So we have the best to last. The lowest was Dean Dillon with half a point. Mikey O'Connor got one. Second highest was Dave McAllister on 7.5 and Lukey Bourne leads the way on nine points. So his name is being engraved on the trophy as we speak. So James doing it. What is 22 divided by 22? <laughs> <laughs> uh. One. One yet. <laughs> 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 when you made your league debut for Rovers, what player did you come on for? Uh, Brandon Miller. Spell the word Balenciaga. B A L E N C O A G A. That's right. <laughs> what famous nickname was given to a group of Liverpool players during the mid 90s? That's an idea. Follow the other Spice Boys. Spice Boys. That's four. What is, <laughs> what is the capital of the United Arab Emirates? Any hints, please? Abu Dhabi. Yep. Five. He's on a roll. In snooker, who got the quickest 147? Ronnie O'Sullivan. <laughs> okay, um, name three Adam Sandler movies. Uh, the Water Boy, Grown Ups, and Grown Ups 2. <laughs> <laughs> Say, my name is James in Irish. It's my love. <laughs> it's Misha. <laughs> James, yeah, 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 your name, your name, Norris. Name, name. It's just the same. Sh shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many penalties have Rovers been awarded this season? Oh, you should look at me now. You scored two, wasn't it? Two. Two was right. Oh. Oh, he is currently tied with Lukey Bourne. Lukey's here. Hold on, Lukey's just walking in the door. We're gonna wait for him. Get in there. We're finally, this is the one, this is to beat Lukey. Go on, do that. Which Rovers player was sent off in the 2010 FAI Cup final? Jesus. This is for the win. Just gonna guess, just gonna go with the gaffer, Stephen Bradley. That's bang on, <laughs> James Dillon. <laughs> James Dillon has just won questions from the East End. Questions from the East End. Shock and awe in Kickstarter Fitness. <laughs> so that's it for questions from the East End. We have a champion, and it is James Dillon. James, have you got a couple of awards? All the boys doubt me. <laughs>
Congratulations, James. And that's it from Kickstarter Fitness today. We have a champion, and it's James Dillner. So, doing it, you just got 10 points in questions from the East End. He, he, he has wiped the floor. He won our quiz. Okay. <laughs> he has wiped the floor, so congrats to James doing it. Didn't see that coming. Wiping the floor with the rest of the squad. The reaction on the player's face is like, Cameron King nearly fainted. It was one of the, do you know what, we brought Jaden along because he wasn't in school. And I think you'll remember that forever. It was a, there was scenes. I wish we had it recorded. There really was scenes. Oh, Luke Luki so. was not happy. No, not at all. He wasn't he happy. Was with disgusted with the questions, with everything in general. Wasn't happy with that math question in particular. No, I don't think so. It was a tr- well. It could have been a tricky one. You know, you never know. I got a picture of him holding up the number ten. And uh, he'd probably put that on the Instagram now and get dropped for the Bray game. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was questions. the finale of questions from the East End. And Duna is officially the champ. So it's, uh, it's Bray Wanderers on Friday. And we're going behind enemy lines to the gambling capital of North Korea, Pyongyang. To do battle with the cash-rich soldiers of Kim Jong-un's empire. And it'll be a treacherous trip, Carl. But the hoop faithful will travel to overthrow these fraudulent overlords and take home the spoils of war at precious three points. So we've qualified for Europe, my fellow hoops. So get started on booking days off, working up your time in Lyon, lumping into the credit union. So keep on hooping and he bien isoboja. See ya.